are you really this big of a producing hack? You're going to come right out the gate with September? Come Had on. To happen. Had to happen. At some point, might as well get it out of the way. That's fine. We'll take it. So we bring in Michael Felder of Stadium to deal with our hackiness because it is week one of the college football season. Week zero is uh, fortunately out of our minds for everybody but Nebraska fans. Buddy, how we living? I'm doing fantastic, and yeah, I'm glad you got the Nebraska talk in there because whoo, it looked like it looks like it's going to be a long season. My God! So how do you how do you consume that? Because I know you're you're a bit of a sycophant with the way that you watch all of these games over the course of a weekend, but like. With with something like that, and really with UCLA Hawaii too, do you enjoy how comical the bad college football is? Because from my standpoint, watching bad NFL, like it's a miserable experience, and yet I enjoy bad college football so much more. Yeah, it's um, it's not a fun experience, but it is a learning experience, and that's the big thing for me. Is I'm always looking at how teams can get better, or what they should have done, or what they don't recognize, and honestly. My biggest takeaway from Nebraska and watching it, and I'm glad I got a chance to kind of spend more time focused in on that than, you know, later in the season when you're, you're watching teams that are going to the playoff or you're watching teams that are in a conference race. Because we got to see that they, they, they don't have it up front. Their offensive line. People are going to talk about Adrian Martinez and his errant throws, but the reality is this is a team that they don't have it up front. They cannot move bodies. Their running backs combined for such a low percentage of their yards. Most of, most of their rushing yards came on a 75-yard – Right. run from Adrian Martinez and then after that they just didn't get stuff done so it's really interesting to watch game to game what adjustments do they make in terms of types of runs that they call who gets the ball all those things but yeah so that's kind of the way that I do it when it's not good speaking of adjustments like I'm sure you saw the Scott Frost quote where he said yeah as soon as they lined up on defense half of our game plan went out the door like how how do you say that out loud well he also said it was based on yeah, the spring it's, game. Um, it's one of those things where you really start to realize that not everybody's a genius, you know? Oh. And, <laughs> and Mike, if you don't man. have the ability to just like if you don't have the ability to adjust on the fly, uh you're as he even said, right? Your ship your your ship is sunk before you even get off the dock. So the fact that he wasn't anticipating how they were gonna play defense and the fact that they couldn't adjust to it, I thought it was really cool some of the stuff that that Illinois did. They ran some two down linemen with standing defensive ends, that shouldn't be crippling to you. They play – I mean, there was no respect. I mean, I didn't think we are going to spend this much time on Illinois-Nebraska. Sorry. <laughs> but the fact that they had all 11 guys lined up within nine yards of the line of scrimmage meant that coming what, – what Illinois had was they did, they did not respect your, your ability to throw the ball. They don't respect your receivers. They don't respect your offensive line's ability to protect the quarterback to get guys over the top. And the fact that they lined up nine guys within nine yards of the – or 11 guys within nine yards of the line of scrimmage – said all they needed to know about their film evaluation it it's i'm sorry that we are spending so much time here but that game fascinates me from exactly the standpoint that you're talking about because there was no respect paid by illinois of all programs of course brett bielema and the proud tradition of fighting illini football i could not get over that mike yeah if illinois doesn't respect you do you think wisconsin's going to or minnesota or obviously god forbid ohio state or anybody like if, if they if illinois in a first year, a coach in his first year with the program, if they don't respect you, who is going to? 
Uh, certainly not me and not my eyeballs after that experience. Uh, <laughs> Michael Felder of Stadium here with us on 104.5 The Zone. You can follow him at In the Bleachers on the socials. All right, let's go through the biggest games of the weekend, Mike, because I, I'm so happy that we don't have to talk about like larger stories in college football with you. Not that I don't enjoy yeah. our conversations, but like we actually yeah. get to talk about football today. Uh, with out, Outside of UGA Clemson, which has probably the biggest – ripple effect across the sport because of that week one matchup what game on the board are you looking at and are you most intrigued by because of the matchup um I, i'm gonna go i'm kind of i kind of bounce around i'm very excited about boise state and ucf those seem to be the two with the exception of cincinnati no disrespect to them those seem to be two of the household names for group of five programs that people automatically throw out there so i want to see like we, we talk about clemson and georgia as maybe an elimination contest or having a big ripple effect here's the reality UCF, Boise State, that means one of those teams is going to be off the board immediately. Right. And that, to me, is a big risk to take for each program, but the reward could be even bigger if they go out, whoever goes out and gets the dub. And then you get to see, obviously, Dylan Gabriel. We get to watch Hank Bachmeyer. So, that's, to me, that's one that belongs on the, on the list. I think um, uh, I am interested in these conference matchups, too, um, because while Georgia Clemson is going to have that big ripple effect across the, the nationwide landscape – Michigan State versus Northwestern, the fact that somebody's going to start at the bottom of, of their division or somebody's going to start at the bottom of the Big Ten immediately because they're playing these games versus teams. Ohio State, Minnesota is another one, and we're going to see Minnesota. Minnesota's going to have to claw their way up from technically the bottom by starting off 0-1, not just on the season, but in the conference. Same thing with Virginia Tech and UNC. We get a chance to watch this top-10 UNC team. Are they going to live up to it? And can Virginia Tech fix some things? I think they're going with Braxton Burmeister. Can he throw the football? So I think those conference matchups, they have such a – because reality is with this sport, and we've talked about this before, it's a regional sport that plays on a national stage. Realistically, Virginia Tech, UNC, or Michigan State, Northwestern, or, or, or obviously we just talked about Nebraska and Illinois, but also Ohio State and Minnesota – those games are Iowa and Indiana this week. Yeah, those games are going to have a lot more stake in where you end up ball wise, how you finish with your, how you finish in your league, and that's the part that's going to make it really dicey for some teams that are taking that risk to play early. <laughs> My producer Lucas was talking to me about the show today on the phone and he goes, yeah, you got a, you got a top 25 matchup with your Hoosiers this weekend. And I'm like, it, my, my mind immediately goes to basketball. And then I forget that we're a football school now. It's very exciting. Speaking of basketball uh, schools that are also football schools, you're North Carolina Tar Heels. Let's talk about this Virginia Tech matchup. What, what is, what is Sam Howell as a quarterback prospect? He seems to already have the eye of the league. What is Mac Brown doing there that has made them so effective and and I guess it was it just fault on the part of Texas for letting him go somewhere else. Well, I think that I think at Texas it was done right because, and I think he needed to be done at Texas because he had it to he had to revamp how he approached recruiting and talent evaluation. And I think it's really tough to do in a place like Texas where so many of the players are overdeveloped. Yeah. So it's not very often you see a guy from the state of Texas go somewhere somehow gain an extra twenty five pounds over the course of his first couple seasons and become something more than he is. That's something you see out of Louisiana. It's something you see out of Georgia, Florida. You even see it in the Midwest as well. But Texas, already, they already, they're lifting in college weight rooms when they're in high school. Eighth graders are doing power cleans. It's not like, so it, it, Max evaluation was different. So I think that that's one of the big things. And I think taking a step away from the game and obviously doing television and working some of the recruiting stuff and following along with these things helped him change his eye for, for talent evaluation. But also, I'll be real, Larry Fedora did a horrible job of, 
relations in that state and in the adjacent state, South Carolina and Virginia, Tennessee. He did a horrible job. A lot of high school coaches did not like him, did not care for him at all. And so Matt just – he came in and did what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to shake hands and supposed to smile at people and tell them that you can call us anytime. And, hey, even if we don't have a guy that you think is going to UNC – this year, we're very interested in that sophomore that you have. So we're going to keep coming back to your high school. He hired Drake Bly, who had a previous relationship. The only reason Drake May is at UNC is because Drake May played with Dre Bly's kids at Myers Park in Charlotte, and they hired Dre Bly on to continue that relationship. Like, that's a huge part of it. So Max done a great job from a relationship standpoint, and then he's also done a great job from a CEO standpoint of letting his coordinators coordinate. And obviously, Phil Longo on the offensive side is why Sam House doing a really good job, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what the run game for UNC looks like this this year because when you lose Javante Williams, when you lose Michael Carter, now you lose a big part of that run game. And in their pass protection, which they did a great job of protecting Sam Howell, so now this is the Sam Howell show. So he's going to have to get the younger running backs set up for pass pro. He's going to have to get the younger wide receiving core because you lose Deami Brown. They still have Bo Corrales, which is going to be interesting, but you lose a guy like Deami Brown. And so now he's got to run the show. And in year three, it's his show. I'm very curious to see if he's able to kind of claw his way into the discussion with Spencer Rattler uh, from Oklahoma as one of the, as the top quarterback in the draft. But we'll see. And I think we're going to get to see more control over the offense out of how, which is how you get to obviously where a guy like Trevor Lawrence was. It's it's funny that you bring up Deami Brown just because we're talking about Des Fitzpatrick out of Louisville getting cut by the Titans yesterday, uh, and just enough. I mean, I it, it just brings up a whole different can of worms that we don't have to get into here. Are you buying UCLA after that? Are, Hawaii looks to be horrendous, and this LSU matchup I think is interesting. But are you buying Chip Kelly this year? Yeah, they. Ha- I have to do a segment on that game today later when I go into the studio, and you know what? I now, wait, you said you have to. You said you have to. What happened? <laughs> Yeah, we, I got to do they, – they, the game – one of the games they stuck me with was LSU-UCLA. Am I excited to watch it? Absolutely. And I said, you know what, let's make it interesting. Let's roll the dice. Let's believe that this UCLA thing is real and that Chip Kelly really is invested in the idea of basically being a triple-option football team out of a spread formation. Because if you can get Britton Brown, Zach Charbonnet, and DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, if you can get all three of those runners in the backfield together, you can create conflict for the defense. And, I mean, at the end of the day, man, it's – it's hard to bet against Chip Kelly going up against Ed Orgeron. <laughs> right. Like, I, I do think he's smarter than Ed Orgeron. So I guess we're going to get a chance to see what happens. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not super confident in saying that UCLA is going to make this a game, but I'm saying it. So let's see what happens. Can Miami, even, not, even if they don't make it a game, can they cover against Alabama? 19.5 is the number I'm looking at right now Oof. in favor of Alabama. Alabama doesn't always cover those big spreads, though, especially early, and especially with a team that appears to be almost completely new from the quarterback on down. If there was an opportunity for Miami to do anything against an Alabama team, would it not be in week one? Yeah, it's got to be week one. I think the interesting part here is going to be there's, – there's, this is a two-parter for me, Buck. Um, one, how do they score points? And that's going to be the, that's going to be the interesting part. Derek King's incredibly dynamic. I've been thinking about this a lot. So think about who's beaten Alabama. We have seen a dynamic Steven Garcia do it with Alshon Jeffrey. We have seen, obviously, a, a dynamic uh, Chad Kelly do it with Laquan Treadwell. We have seen, obviously, Johnny Manziel do it with Mike Evans. We have seen – uh, Deshaun Watson do it with guys like Mike Williams and and um, I can't now now I can't remember his name. Um, good grief! Any of the Clemson receivers is, is the, the reality here. Sure. We've seen how, we've seen Clemson do it with that. So what we have to have for them to score because you have to be in the end zone 
there are two things. One, Derek King has that play his he's got to play his behind off. Two, they cannot play scared. Scared money doesn't make money, specifically when you play against Alabama. If you do not take shots down the field, you are going to get suffocated. And that's the interesting part for me. So how they score points is important. The other part of it, though, is their defense. And can their defense frustrate and confuse? And I do think you need to be aggressive against a young quarterback like Bryce Young. I know he's played in some garbage time, but you've got to get aggressive against this kid. And the reality is, can they confuse him? If they can confuse him, force him into mistakes, then you have an opportunity to steal yourself some extra possessions. And I think that's going to be the key if you're Miami. Because, listen, you're going to take shots down the field, and they're not all going to work. Yeah. But the reality is you have to take more shots so that you can do that instead of hold, sitting on your hands, you know, holding the ball, trying to play some sort of a ball control, keep it close uh, football game. Michael Felder of Stadium is here with us on 104.5 The Zone. We're talking about week one in college football, the biggest and the most interesting games. Uh, upset. I feel like, and, and Lucas brought this to my attention before the show, that Louisiana against Texas is yeah. an interesting, interesting matchup. What's your read on that? And is there the possibility for an upset there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, here's the reality. They're, the, they're ranked the same, right, 21 and 23? Yeah. If you're 23 and you're a non-Power 5 team or you're a group of 5 team, that means you're probably better than 21, a group of 5 team that just gets in there on their name. What do we expect from Texas this year? What? We expect Hudson Card to come out and be some sort of a Heisman Trophy contender? No. Sark doesn't that. even know who his quarterback is yet. He has officially his... named Hudson Card. Oh, has he named Hudson Card? Okay. I'm, I'm late to the party then on that. Yeah, but, like, what do, we, what do we expect out of Texas? I think that B. John Robinson, getting him back because he's so explosive, that's going to be really cool. But the reality of it is, I don't know what to expect. They've had transfers. They've, got, they, they've had transfers. They've got a bunch of inexperience. They've got lose guys to the draft in terms of guys like a Samuel Cosme. So I don't know what to expect from them. And then we're going to get to see Levi Lewis in, goodness gracious, this is, what, year five for him, I guess? And he gave Iowa State some fits at times. Obviously, we saw him against UAB. Look pretty good. So I'm curious to watch what he looks like coming into this season. So, yeah, I think that's absolutely a game that you should have on the radar as far as upsets go. And, if I'll, and I'll give you another one. I'm very curious to watch San Jose State take on USC. I really am. Disciplined football team that's got Derek Deese at the tight end spot. I love the Nevins kid that plays running back for them. He wants to deal out punishment. And obviously Nick Starkle is in, oh, I want to say, is he in year six? Of playing college football? No, I think it's 17, It's Mike. crazy. It's, it's 110. <laughs> he has been in this sport since the dawn of time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he – yeah. So, but he, he's got total control. We talked about it with Sam Howell. He's got total control over Brett Brennan's offense, and it's really cool to watch him play. So, yeah, this is going to be really interesting because we know that Graham Harrell, they want to push the ball down the field to Drake London. They want to use Jake Smith underneath, a guy that transferred from the school we just talked about with Texas. So, USC, San Jose State, for folks that don't know, I think that's a game you might want to pop on. I think that Clemson can beat Georgia. Tell me why I'm right or tell me why I'm wrong. I think you're right. I think they both could beat each other. It all depends upon play calling and situational, you know, situational awareness. I'm very curious to watch what um, – I know what Clemson's going to do, right? They're going to get DJ Uyunglele involved in the run-pass game to put those linebackers in conflict for Georgia. They're also going to push the ball vertically down the field because now we've got to help you Justin Ross. I want to see what Clemson's defensive line looks like, though, because we know that if Georgia had their druthers, they'd run the ball 45, 50 times this game and not have to worry about trying to stretch the field, especially when their best receiver, George Pickens, is not a part of the equation due to the injury suffered in spring. And I still don't know what's going on with Eric Gilbert. So, it's going to be interesting to see 
how much they trust JT Daniels down the field to guys that aren't Pickens or even Eric Gilbert. And it's going to be interesting to see how Clemson's, how stout Clemson can be up front because they lost a couple guys, Jordan Williams, Mike Jones, uh, Niles Pinkney. They lost guys to transfer that were a big part of that depth, uh, the, the depth situation of, along that defensive front, both at the defensive line and in the linebacking court. This is why you know that you can trust Michael Felder's analysis because he just rattled off DJ's last name with the super, the most confidence of anybody that I've heard talking about college football right now. Meanwhile, I'm terrified in front of my microphone to even attempt. DJ Uyunglele, did I get it? You got it, DJ Uyunglele. Listen, when you do, when I've done, I've, I've, I've been following this kid for like four years for, due to recruiting, five years almost. Yeah. So I'm in. I know it. We've talked to like my West Coast guy. Once you get it down, you got it down. So you got it. Same thing with Tulip Hungo by Law. Like, it's the same. You got to get it down. Once you get it down, you're good to go. I was doing press box PA for his entire second half against Vanderbilt when they decided that they wanted to say that we wanted Bama that year. Vanderbilt did after they started out 3-0. and So I, I did experience the Tua Tonga Vailoa uh, thing from the jump before I feel like a lot of people did. Michael Felder of Stadium, always good to catch up with you. Enjoy the weekend of football, buddy. And I'm sure we'll catch up with you again down the road. At In the Bleachers is where you can follow him for all the great work that he's doing across multiple platforms, podcast, everything. The man is cranking out some knowledge. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, guys. You guys take it easy.